Hello and welcome to the podcast, Life Changes You. I'm Daniel and I hope you've had a really good week. We've had some great conversations recently. Uh, too many to mention, but you know, from your feedback, you're really liking the, the people that I get on, the guests. Um, and I always try and find people who are interesting and can communicate in a style that's like us just having a conversation because I find if I was to just ask someone lots and lots of questions, you'd be bored and I'd probably be bored too. So today I've got Chad Nelson back with us. Um, I can't remember what we spoke about last time, Chad, can you? We talked about <laughs> I've put you on the self-doubt. Spot. Self-doubt. Self-doubt, yes. Yes. And Chad is from Teal Conversations. Whereabouts are you? Are you in America or Canada? America, Virginia. And Virginia. Well, look, I mean, in the last couple of years, uh, well, mainly this year doing Zoom, I've met people from all over the planet that, you know, I wouldn't have even thought about doing before a pandemic. So in that way, the podcast is, uh, the pandemic has actually opened the podcast up for me and the world, because where would I have met you before this? Um, you know, we might have touch base on Instagram and had a conversation over the phone, but it's always better when you can see the person you're talking to because there's a better synchronicity. hundred percent. You can read those verbal cues. Okay. So our topic today is obsessive self-reflection. And when we sort of spoke about this idea a couple of weeks ago, we weren't sure what we were going to talk about. And then I'd seen that you'd put an update on, on LinkedIn about obsessive self-reflection. And I sort of thought to myself, wow, I've never thought that anyone would become obsessive about self-reflection because we're always told to self-reflect. So I'm grateful that you've come on to speak about this because I think it's actually something that a lot of people would be doing. Yeah. Well, yeah, Daniel, appreciate the invite again. I tell you, you know, with self-reflection, I practice it often. I don't know if it's because I'm more of a, a reserved, you know, um, kind of tend toward introversion quite a bit. So I don't know if that just kind of comes with the territory, but like I do, I think self-reflection is extremely healthy, but probably about three years ago, um, Before you I tell was, me this story, could you just, yeah. for the listeners, tell them if they haven't done self-reflection, what self-reflection is about? Yeah, I would say at the like very base, and we might get a chance to touch on this later. It To me, it is really taking time to evaluate and critique yourself. Yeah. I do think there is critique involved in that, like in a healthy way. And, and I think we'll touch on that, but it's really to evaluate and critique yourself, whether it's relationships work environment, home environment. I mean, it could be a plethora of, of contexts, yeah. but really just to evaluate and critique yourself in order that you might grow, I would say, or better understand something. Yeah. So look at something that you've done and see how you could do it better. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So why do people become obsessed with self-reflection? Yeah. You know, I know for me, again, this uh, journey of kind of just really reflecting on self-reflection, if you will, happened for me I would say probably about a year ago, but the time that I was contemplating this was over the last three years where I would started to notice that I would kind of get pulled, not into this ditch, but this vortex of extreme self-doubt, you know, like what we talked about last time yeah. and really where I was almost kind of getting paralyzed where I wasn't taking action in life. And as I was thinking about it over this last year, I thought, you know, I'm reflecting, but I'm getting so obsessive with it that I'm not acting on it. And so I'm getting pulled down in this vortex where inaction is becoming a, a regular occurrence in life. 
yeah. and self-doubt is starting to mushroom. And in my opinion, it really began with obsessively self-reflecting. And I do think there is an obsessive self-reflection and, and a healthy self-reflection. Yeah. Cause I guess like, um, I mean, me thinking about it after we spoke about it before the podcast, I was thinking that, you know, maybe I don't self-reflect enough, but then now that I'm talking to you, I do because I'll do a podcast and speak to someone. And then afterwards I might think, Oh, actually, you know, maybe I needed to pre prepare a couple of questions for that person because that was more important to be able to have something extra to go into that conversation that I hadn't thought about before. Cause as I've said to you before, I like to do the podcast where I just know the title of what we're talking about. And then we, work through it. You tell me what you think. And then I start asking you questions about it. Yeah. You know, um, it's interesting that you, you mentioned some of that because I'm reminded of a line from Viktor Frankl and he had said this, uh, sometimes what we need is reflection. Yep. Sometimes what we need is action. And, you know, I love, it's like, there's a season for both, you know, whether we're doing a podcast, running a business, it seems to me there, there's a season for both. Now I do wonder if, in Western society specifically, do we tend to have more of a, a bias toward action and doing, which I think are, are good. We should not overlook them. But do we focus on action and doing to the detriment of self-reflection? And as yeah. Frankel said, there is a season for both. And I, I would tend to agree with that. And I guess sometimes um, through social media and the media, it's all about go, 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 get things done. And sometimes there are opportunities to grow in that situation and other times by jumping ahead too quickly, you're missing some of the ground rules, I guess you need to get to where you want to go. You know, with this podcast, mm -hmm. I've had a few people recently say to me, Oh, I'm going to start a podcast. And some of the people who have been on here have started podcasts and they're going quite well, but then other people will contact me and say, Oh, I want to start a podcast. How easy is that? How do I get my guests? Blah, 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 blah. Uh, when am I going to be big? And to me, I, I know I've got a big following now and I've got great guests who come on, but to me, I still don't feel like I'm big. I feel like I'm just a normal person sitting here talking to people and then putting out a conversation that I hope people will enjoy and get something from. But they don't understand that in the two years that I've started this, there were times where I couldn't find guests, uh, where I would sit there and think, well, what's wrong with me? Why can't I get guests? Am I not knowledgeable enough to be able to talk to people? Um, are people not interested in the content I'm providing? But it takes you from step A to step B and all those little steps. I mean, I've learned so much in the two years about even just how to position my microphone, how to not lean in too close. You know, so when someone says to me, how do I do it and how do I get to where you are? It's like there's a million questions to answer in that in your statement because it's not just from here to here there is so much growth and now i feel whenever i talk to someone i don't have that well i have a little bit of nervous energy like oh what are we going to talk about um but not like when i first did the first ones where i came on and i was like tacky mouthed and like oh my god what am i going to say Right. So it, it is all about reflecting back. So I, I probably have reflected more than I actually thought about, but not obsessively. Yeah. And one thing I was thinking of when you were sharing that story, with, especially early on in your podcast is like you were self-reflecting and it was helping you to move forward. But what I've experienced is, especially with starting my business, is I would get into that self-reflection so much that I self-doubt would mushroom. And then I was just stuck in inaction. 
Yeah. Whereas what I hear you saying is you were kind of self-reflecting as you were going through it. You were learning like, hey, don't go too close to the microphone and, you know, this and that. Trust, maybe trusting your intuition. And so your self-reflection didn't keep you in, in, in action, but maybe helped clarify the way forward. Yeah. And again, yeah, my experience has just been, I would get pulled into that vortex of just sitting in inaction. So how does it feel when you're in that position where you're obviously self-reflecting, thinking about things too much that you're not, you aren't moving forward? How do you break that cycle? I will tell you, I, th- I think this is maybe something you and I briefly touched on at our, our last uh, conversation. One thing for me is self-awareness. So I do have a belief where here's where self-reflection can really be the, the ground level of self-awareness. In my opinion, you have self-reflection. Self-reflection yields self-understanding. Self-understanding yields self-awareness. And self-awareness, when we are growing in that, that is kind of like the springboard into the freedom to have clarity in who you want to become and what it is you want to accomplish. But it all starts with self-reflection. And Viktor Frankl had a concept called de-reflection. And this is what I used in my life here over the last year to help me kind of get unstuck, if you will. And that idea of de-reflection is get your mind off of that obsessive reflection. So like just step out of it and now just put your focus on what is the task you want to accomplish? What is that meaning that you want to fulfill? What is the next step you I can take to become who it is I want to be? Yeah. And I know that sounds super simple, but for me, like that was the aha moment. Yeah. De-reflect. And, and sometimes the simple way out is so simple that we just don't even contemplate it because we think, well, that's not going to work. It's too easy. You know, how can, how can something I've been going through be as simple as doing that? Exactly. Absolutely. You know, um, it's funny, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, who's a, a CEO of a company here in, in the States, he has a short line that, that runs through my mind constantly. And he says this, stop dwelling, start doing. Stop yeah. dwelling, start doing. And for me, that was just another kind of aha moment where a, a switch just kind of flipped in my mind. Like, okay, Chad, you self-reflected a lot. Just set aside that dwelling, that reflection, and just start doing small actions. You know, because I think of that metaphor of the ship, you know, with just a, a small change in the rudder of a ship, over time, it changes the entire trajectory. Yeah. And I think as I, as I stop dwelling to such a degree, I will continue to reflect because I think it's healthy. But as I set that aside for a moment and begin doing some things, maybe testing a little bit, like where, where is my posture on the microphone on a podcast? Like you were saying, as I experiment with that, that is the doing that can begin to change the trajectory. Uh, If you have a goal to get from A to B is to break it down into smaller steps, smaller chunks that your brain can actually go, okay, I can achieve this part because with podcasting, like when I started, I had not, I'd, I'd done public radio, back 20, 30 years ago, um, playing music, chatting, that sort of thing. Doing this is a completely different thing. And I found the hardest thing, and I still find the hardest thing, is actually sitting and talking on my own because I get to like two minutes and I think, oh, my God, what should I say next? And I've almost written like a script of what I want to talk about, but then I'm thinking, oh, am I saying this in the right way? Is it dull? Is it uplifting enough? But when you break things down to chunks, like starting this podcast, it was like, all right, I want to do a podcast. 
class? What do I do? And finding out those little bits and then writing down bits of information that I still needed to look at. And, you know, two years into it, I'm still finding so much stuff that I have no idea about. Like promotion, there's a thing called an audiogram where you put a little picture and then you put a bit of audio from the podcast together. Um, and then put it up on social media. Now, I've tried that a couple of times. It's been successful, but I find I don't have time to do things like that. But there are other podcasters out there who have contacted me and said, how did you get bigger than us when we've been going longer than you? And in some ways, I feel that they get bogged down with the way they advertise themselves um, with coming up with all these things like the little audiograms. Whereas for me, I record the podcast, it gets edited, and then I do a little bit of promotion. And I guess I've been lucky that I've got little groups of people who one person has started listening and then other people have started listening. There's a group of, I think it's about five to 10 people in New York that when this comes out on a Sunday morning here, they actually sit around and listen to it together and then talk about what was in the podcast, which when they told me that just amazed me that like five to 10 people could be sitting listening to what was going on and then analyzing what was said. And then they get back to me and say, Oh, we really liked, you know, how you spoke to Chad and what you said about this and this and this, that actually highlighted something for me that I hadn't thought about. And I'm like, well, that's amazing. But that's 10 people listening. Unfortunately, they're all listening on the same device. So I'm not getting 10 listens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I was just gonna say that was reminding me of a couple of things. And, you know, one thing is, if, you know, especially if you're a reflective type, um, is that I think self-reflection when it's done healthy, so it's not obsessive, but self-reflection can really help us to better understand what we know because I think it helps us to connect what we know. Yeah. So different pieces of things we know, whether that's, again, I'm just kind of using your, your, your podcast history as a launching point, but as you have maybe reflected over the time you've had your podcast, I suspect whether it happens consciously or unconsciously, what you different things of what you know about podcasting and marketing and conversations with people as you reflect those things begin to come together where you better understand each component yeah and and the other thing with self-reflection that i think i know i overlooked for a while to help it keep from getting obsessive is by making sure i've got other people speaking into my life you know you talk about those five people that are giving you feedback and letting you letting you know how they're using the podcast to me, that just aids in your self-reflection of yeah. me, like as a podcaster. And so, yeah, that's another thing for me is not overlooking the necessity of the power of others in our lives. Well, look, I mean, I, I love getting feedback from anyone. I'm just going to see if I can find this one that I got the other day um, because there are days when I sit here, especially when I've just put out a podcast and um, I'm listening back to it and I'm thinking, oh, I could have done that. I'm, self, I'm self-reflecting, aren't I? I'm critiquing what I've done. And I go, oh, actually, I spoke too much there, maybe not there, blah, 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 blah. But then someone sent me this on the weekend and they said that um, they, this person had, was someone who'd binged eight episodes. They said that they really like listening to the podcast because you get people to really open up and it's like a fly-on-the-wall documentary on my ears. And I just thought that was 
because, you know, we say, oh, I'd like to be a fly on the wall to see what happened there, but on their ears, because I've never been one to do the video, like I video with you so I can see what we're talking about and see you. Um, but I don't release the videos because I, I actually like people to actually listen fully rather than be seeing me like scratch my nose or scratch my ear, uh, because I don't think that a podcast watching it is that exciting. We're not dancing. We're just sitting there chatting away with headphones on and a microphone in front of us. But other people like to listen to a podcast that way. For me, podcasting is how do we listen? How do we get the person to engage? How do we make sure that myself and the guests are engaging so that it is just going into your ears and you're really taking everything in that's being said? Yeah, that's awesome. You know, that's kind of reminded me of another aspect of this idea of obsessive self-reflection. And I would say this is really um, one of the components that uh, really kind of tripped me up in life where I kind of just got stuck in inaction is self-reflection includes self-critique, self-evaluation. But I think healthy self-reflection is when we critique and evaluate ourselves from the standpoint of our actions. So we're, we're doing that self-critique based on our actions. Now, we may self-reflect and have a measure of guilt. Like, why, why did I act that way in that business venture? Or why did I not do that? Yeah. And, but that guilt, when we harness the energy in that guilt, we can leverage it to move forward in a conscious and strategic way that's in alignment with our values. But here's where the obsessive self-critique happens, in my opinion. Obsessive self-critique or obsessive self-reflection is when we're doing the critique, the self-evaluation, but we're starting at a standpoint that there's some inner innate corruption in us. And now we feel shame. We're not doing it based on our actions, but on some inner corruption we suppose is true about ourselves. And then shame happens. And then now you're just, it's quicksand in my opinion. And that's really where I got stuck. I think as well that it's quite common for people if they're making a business decision, a personal decision, that they see it in black and white. That went wrong, so that's no good. Whereas they don't look for all those other opportunities that are there. And I guess that comes into self-reflection is when you look back at what things went wrong, uh, there is usually at least one, two, three, four, five opportunities to change what happened to get a better outcome. And you might do four of those and they might still go wrong. And it might be the fifth one that is the one that gets you through. So in every time, and I'm only just realizing now talking to you, how much I self-reflect probably on a daily basis without even realizing, because when you think about people saying you should self-reflect, I almost think about being in a Zen-like state, sitting on the couch going, um, now what's gone wrong this week? What do I need to self-reflect on? But actually in our heads, we're self-reflecting all the time, evaluating what happened what went wrong, what went right, how can we change this? I think the new buzzword is pivoting. So we're either pivoting or we're taking a different direction to get a better outcome. I think that it was only probably five, 10 years ago where I realized how many opportunities there were in a mistake or something that didn't work. Before that, I was a black and white thinker. Oh my God, this went wrong. Why did it go wrong? I don't know. I better do something different. But when you actually sit down and think about what went wrong, you can see that there's a few opportunities for, you know, changing it in a different direction, changing the product, changing your thinking about what you've done. Oh, yeah. You know, that reminds me. One thing I love, I don't know if you've heard of the Conscious Leadership Group, but they have this um, teaching that's really resonated with me. And I think it, it 
it plays into self-reflection, but they talk about, you know, we typically see um, other people in life as either obstacles or allies to what we want to accomplish, black and white thinking. Yeah. But they throw out the idea is what if you could see everybody as your ally to your game of learning? So even somebody who is out to get you, can you at least see them as learning something about yourself, learning something about them, learning something about the environment in which you live? Can we yeah. see all people as our allies? And to bring that into what you were talking about, can we see these failures, these, these four things that didn't work as just opportunities to understand, okay, that's not how to do it. And then you try the fifth one and it works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's important. Look, I, it was when I was doing my counseling studies and this is where I worked or I was told by my tutor at the time, Dan, you just think in black and white. You need to realize that there are different shades of gray between black and white. And now I always think of in my head as 50 shades of gray, not the show, the movie, but that there are so many shades of gray between black and white that are opportunities that a lot of people don't see. And as I said, it's very common that people just give up on an idea because they don't realize there's opportunities in what went wrong. They just feel like they're a failure. As you said before, they feel shame that it hasn't worked. Um, And yet if you sit down maybe a week later and look back at that situation, you'll find at least one opportunity. I would say you'd find two to three, but there's always chance for growth. And you were saying before about, what we know and what we don't know, it's um, in, in psychology, we look at it that we can only do now what we know now, but in a week's time, two weeks time, a month's time, a year's time, we've, we've learned more things. So then we can look at that situation from a completely different angle to what we did that time before. Cause at yeah. that time we only know what we know and it might not be quite enough to get us over the top of what we need to do. Yeah. You know, I think too, that, you know, self-reflection can help us, clarify the way kind of going back to what Frankel said, you know, sometimes what we need is reflection. Sometimes what we need is action. And I think self-reflection when it's not obsessive, it can help us to get clarity on what things we need to try. What are those five things that you talked about? And then it's the action that helps us to weed out the four that don't work and get to the fifth. You know, I'm reminded of something Ray uh, Dalio said in his book principles. He said, if we're not failing, we're not pushing our limits. And if we're not pushing our limits, then we're not maximizing our potential. And I think in all of that, in order to learn from that failure that he talks about, we need to have self-reflection as a part of it. But when self-reflection is keeping us from taking action, typically that's when it becomes obsessive. Yeah, because by pushing our limits, you know, we're all told about, you know, living in our little comfort zone, our comfort box, whatever we are, and we need to push our way out to try things. There's a lot of fear around that, isn't there, about what if it doesn't work? I know when I started the business with my business partner, we actually, well, we were different because at first we were like, what if this doesn't work? And then we had the fear of what if we become too successful? And becoming too successful, most people would go, oh, no, that's brilliant. But it was the fear of how would we manage all of this if it became too big too soon? So there's fear on both sides, isn't there? And it's working out. So in the end, we just realized that, well, if we become too successful, we'll work through that as we become too successful. It's better to be too successful and work through that than not be successful at all because then there's nothing. Well, there is stuff to work through because we've just worked it out that you just have to look at different angles of how you can get through that. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, right there, you're reflecting, you're reflecting yes. on what if this doesn't work? What if we get to over, like, what if we get to this level of a success? What are the things we're going to have to be addressing? So yeah, I love a reflection. You know, I was reminded when you were talking about kind of just comfort and the comfort zone, I remember seeing a graph of that once with concentric circles. And it did talk about that when we get to the edge of our comfort zone or, or, get to the other side of it, if you will. You know, sometimes I think number one, it takes another individual in our life to be that catalyst to move us from our comfort zone to the other side of it. But often before we hit that growth and development that can happen outside of the comfort zone, I do think we're pushing up against uh, fear. That could be fear of failure. To your point, fear of overt success and the challenges that come with that. Fear of judgment from others, that external judgment that and I think we can that allow one, on fear path. of judgment from others is a is quite a big thing that hold a lot of people back because we take into too much consideration what other people think or their opinions of what we are doing are. And nine times out of 10, it could be that there's a bit of jealousy from them that you're doing something that they'd like to do. It could be that, yeah, they really don't think you can do what you're doing. But there's always something that can hold us back. Yeah. And, you know, I would even like just put a little twist on that. Are we holding ourselves back when we allow the uh, perceived judgment of others to keep us in inaction? And that's one thing I've kind of been camping on for a few months in my life now is just when I, when I do have that self-awareness that, man, I'm really concerned about the judgment of others. And I'm trying to start to look at that as, okay, how am I holding myself back by letting, basically believing that story and like running with it instead of just questioning it and kind of to Frankel's point, de-reflecting off of that judgment, whether it's true or imagined, de-reflecting off of it to what's the next best thing I can do to move forward in what I want to accomplish, whether that's a podcast, a business, et cetera. So what I like about talking to you, Chad, is that I hope the listeners learn as much as I do, because speaking to you, it's really good to self-reflect and work out where I am and what I'm doing in a conversation that we're having that hopefully is entertaining other people and informing them of different ways of thinking, different ways to look at things. I mean, yeah, inaction can be really bad. Too much action can be too bad. And it's getting a really good balance, isn't it, between everything? Yeah. And I don't remember if we, we might've hit this on the last podcast, maybe not. But like when I think of that balance, it's, it's a continual adjustment. And what I mean by that is, Somebody pointed out to me once that if you look like at a ballerina, a ballerina standing on their toes is is not in balance. They appear in balance. What they're doing is they're making thousands of micro adjustments a second to stay on their toes. And so there's a continual adjustment. So as you and I try to have this balance between action and just taking time to reflect, yeah, we're always moving toward balance, but it's a continual adjustment between those two of action and reflection and letting each of them influence the other. And look, it's good if you're not always in balance, because if you were always in balance, you wouldn't be looking at different things, would you? You'd, you'd just be, no. okay, everything's perfect. Good point. That's a great um, point. So sometimes if you're slightly off balance in the negative way, you're going to 
uh, think of ways to change it into a more positive way. And sometimes when you're in that positive, way too positive, it, it might be time to pull back a little bit and reflect then on, well, look, this is all going really well, but maybe there's a few adjustments. So in either way, negative or positive, there's always a learning curve, isn't there, in that position? Absolutely. And I think within that, with what we're talking about is using reflection to see where are we at with this idea of balance and then taking the necessary action based on that reflection. And then what based on that action, reflect on the outcome of it and see if there's more tweaks that need to be made. So I just, yeah, I just think they can go hand in hand. Oh, definitely. And so is inaction, is that procrastination or are they different? I think they're different um, because I think there's, there's inaction that's a part of your strategy to move forward. Yeah. Um, again, uh, you know, not to overly repeat myself, but again, if I'm going to go back to Victor Frankl's statement about sometimes what we need is reflection, sometimes what we need is action. We need to maybe sit in, in the inaction of deeds, yeah. but sit in the action, if you will, of reflection. And so I think inaction can be used quite strategically in um, how we need to move forward. I think inaction would be um, more like if you had uh, something to do with your business and you were just putting that off, whereas procrastination seems to be looking for other things to do so you don't actually have to do that. (laughs) Absolutely. You know, and oh, that was reminding me too of um, emotional intelligence. That was the other thing, emotional intelligence. You know, sometimes when we maybe put off seeing what, what data is this emotion communicating to me? You know, Susan David said in her book, Emotional Agility, emotions are data, not directives. We often live our lives as though our emotions just direct us in what we have to do. And she says, actually, our emotions are data. And then we can take that, reflect on what that data is telling us, and then make the necessary movement forward through our actions for what we're talking about. And I'm glad you brought up Susan David because last time when I spoke to you, you mentioned her then, and I've been following her now on a few different platforms. And, yeah, she is very insightful. There's some really interesting stuff that she talks about that I wouldn't have learned about if I hadn't listened to you. So, Mm. you know, all these things. Yeah, she was influential when I read her book. I mean, impacted my life for sure. Yeah, you you came up with a few that I I started following because I thought, oh, actually, I want to, hear what these people have to say, because we can never learn too much. And I think the other thing is with people as they're getting older, they might look at life and go, well, you know, I've only got 10 years, 20 years left in this job. So I may as well just stay here. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think you and myself, uh, we've, I mean, I'm still working in disability, but I added counseling into that as well and went back and studied and I'm still studying and still learning. And we're always learning you know, and some people just go, no, this is my life for now. I don't know if they go, this is my life for now. They might just go, oh, I'm happy with what I'm doing. And they don't see an opportunity to change in what they're doing. Either they feel they're too old or they're not competent enough. You know, when I started learning counseling, I had no idea what I was reading in those first couple of books. It was like an alien language. Once I got through that, then I, the biggest thing I learned from doing a diploma in counseling was I learned about myself. And there is nothing greater than learning about yourself. All those things I used to worry about, I no longer worry about. All those things I used to think other people thought of me, I no longer think about. Because I've learned that inside myself is where I want to be. And I'm actually a good person. And I, and I don't need to be worrying about all this outside influence. You know, where I think a, a lot of people, they are on a self-growth trajectory. But 
it's wondering where they actually know where they need to go because self-help is a huge industry around the world now. And I think sometimes people hook onto something that they think is good and it might not be the best thing for them. We've all got different opportunities to seek out new ways of living But some people, um, I think, are just jumping onto a bandwagon of what's the newest thing. And that's great, but you can only grow so far if you only take in one person's information. You need to take it from a lot of different sources. And then that makes you who you are because you've taken all the different information and you've learned lots of different things. And so then you're bringing all that into your head and then putting it back out into the world as your own viewpoint. Yeah. You know, that um, one thing that's really hit me is the more broadly I read, it's I've kind of equated it to this. It's almost like standing up on a watchtower and being able to kind of see the lay of the land. Yeah. And what direction do I want to go? Whereas before reading broadly, it was kind of like maybe it was just like on the on the first floor of that watchtower. I could see a little bit, but not much. And it's been tremendous to see what direction do I want to go. And the other thing is interesting. I just was talking about self-reflection. I was reflecting on this today and journaling about it, having people speak into our lives. And I got kind of thinking a little bit about the role of like a mentor or mentors in our lives. Yeah. And I, it, what got me thinking is I think one of the spaces where mentors can really have an impact in a person's life is helping them, to articulate their own destination, whatever that is, that ideal, where they want to go in life, what are they, what they want to pursue. And um, I don't, I, I'm not saying a mentor gives that to a person, but I think through their questions, the relationship with indi- that individual, they can help that person to within themselves, what's already existent within themselves. Like I think the individual probably already has it within themselves with yep. where they want to go. They just need a little help, like getting that to the surface to be able to articulate it. And I think that's really where mentors can come in. So I've kind of been rethinking mentorship a little bit. Just what is that role? Is it just like sage advice or is it more through questions, help somebody to get what's already within them to be able to see and articulate where it is that they want to go? It's clarification, isn't it? Because sometimes we can be sitting here and we can have all these ideas. And if you talk to a mentor, a life coach, someone like that, you can just spout all this stuff out and they can go, okay, great. Let's put all these bits together. Okay. I think what you're really wanting to do is a B or C. I think uh, if you do a, this can happen, B, this can happen, C, this can happen. What are your ideas? And then getting more information from them to help them clarify and grow that idea and then put it back to that person. And then that person could go, actually, you've just summed up everything I've been thinking about, but I actually couldn't put it into the words you've just put it into. So now you put it in those words, I can look at it and go, that's exactly what I want to do. I mean, look, not all mentors are going to get you exactly where you want to be because it's a journey, isn't it? It's about, Mm -hmm. you might come up with these 10 ideas and the mentor go, okay, this, this, and this. And then two years later, you might go, actually, I want to add this to it. So it's about continuously thinking and growing and coming up with your ideas. And that's where self-reflection comes in. When you're reflecting on what your mentor said two years ago, now you're making connections on what he or she said two years ago with experiences you've had in the intervening two years, whether it was with that mentor, with other people, with your workplace. And now you're starting to make these different connections for your growth and development. And so just bringing that back full circle to self-reflection, hugely helpful with a mentor. 
Yeah, it's it's good. Chad, uh, I love talking to you. I think we've got some real good golden nuggets in there of information. I think uh, I think we've both learned little bits there because I've seen you look at me and go, oh, actually, like, you know, which is good because if we're learning from each other as we're talking, then that means that people listening will go, oh, actually, they're learning at the same time as I'm learning from them. So because we're never, we're never the oracle. We're just people who are together. We've got a bit of information in our heads of what we've learned, what we've been through. And then we process it all together, have a conversation, and hopefully someone listening goes, actually, that's really good. Yeah, 100%. Love it. Love it. This has been hugely enjoyable and, and just educational for me as well. Ah, uh, look, yeah, as I said earlier, you know, I liked speaking to you because I learned so much. And even just about the self-reflection, I didn't realize that I self-reflect so much. Um, but then hearing you say, well, you were saying da-da-da-da-da, then I went, actually, yeah, I'm probably self-reflecting as I go every day. And I hadn't, yeah. as I said to you, I thought I had to sit on a couch with meditation music to self-reflect. <laughs> no, we can be driving in our car and yeah. self-reflecting. Oh, look, Chad, it's been brilliant again. Um, hopefully I'll have you back again later in the year. We'll tackle another topic and, and talk. Love to. And that'll be great. So Would thank you. Thank you, See Daniel. you again soon. Bye-bye. Right. Bye-bye. Well, that was another episode of Life Changes You. If you want to contact us, we're available on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we also have a website, lifechangesyou.com.au. So until next time, take care of each other, and thanks for listening. <laughs>